Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Hour number two, Tuesday edition OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. 6th and Peabody, our location, our studio with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, a block behind Bridgestone Arena in downtown Nashville. Every Tuesday at this time, John McClain joins us. NFL headlines uh, with a man who has covered the league for nearly five decades. Gallerysports.com is where he calls home right now, as well as 610 and a a powerhouse sports radio uh, station down in Houston. The man has many jobs. Yes, and uh, one of those every week is with us here on OutKick 360. He's a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector, and he has plenty of opinions on all things National Football League. John, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Since I retired from the Chronicle after 47 years, and I started writing for gallerysports.com and sportsradio610.com, that means I have been with you guys longer than any of my other jobs, and I do appreciate it. We appreciate that. We we're, made we're it quite, happen, John. We're, we're quite proud we of that. made it fact. happen. I'm also quite proud, John, of you and the fact that I am scrolling through Netflix on Friday night, and the algorithm on Netflix got me because immediately in suggested programs, <laughs> I, I'm kind of half on my phone and looking through Netflix, and I hear the voice of John McClain on Netflix, and I look up, and it has hovered over Facing Nolan, the documentary about Nolan Ryan, and the first clip it plays is not the narrator. It's not you know Nolan Ryan. It is John McClain talking about Nolan Ryan on Netflix. And you know what I did, John? I poured myself a, 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 an old-fashioned neat, and then I sat down and I pushed play on Facing Nolan and watched it start to finish. He, he said it was tremendous. It's terrific. Yeah, I know we had the director on. Uh, it was really, really well done. And you did a great Bradley. job in it. Thank you. Bradley Jackson did a tremendous job as the director. Uh, I thought he did a fabulous job. I thought Nolan, I thought his wife Ruth stole the show. People asked me, he said, why is a football guy in the Nolan Ryan documentary? Somebody counted up and I had like nine different clips. And I said, because Nolan's oldest son, Reed Ryan, who was Astros president for years. And I know Reed, we used to get together a couple times a year for me to pick his brain about the Astros because he knows I've been a fan of the Astros since they were born in 62 as the Houston Colt 45s. And he knew I knew a lot about their history going back to the first game in franchise history. So he asked Bradley Jackson, he said, will you interview this guy? And so I did it. And I spent like two or three hours with him. And when it was over, I said, Bradley, it won't bother me if you don't use anything I just gave it. He goes, oh, no. He said, we'll use some. You can count on it. And they did. And it's such a privilege because they have done a fabulous job. I would love to see when the Academy Award nominations come down for them to be included among the documentaries. John, did they, while we're discussing this, do you still go up and, and film all of that? I know COVID 
maybe throw a wrench into some of this. Go up and at the NFL Combine, all the NFL films, documentaries, and shows that they would film and shoot in Indy from you know a decade or so ago. I used to do that, and then I think they thought I got too old or too fat or both, <laughs> and so they quit asking me. I always had a good time because I would walk in, and they'd give me this humongous card with writing all over it, and what it was was all the things they're going to ask about, and they say they would say, well, pick something you want to talk about, and I would hand it back to them, and I'd say, whatever you got, I'm good for everything. Well, let's get into everything with week three across the league. John McLean with us. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Read his work at gallerysports.com. Dolphins and Eagles atop the AFC and the NFC. John, Tua Tagovailoa, I want to get to his injury in a moment. But just the overall body of work through three weeks, beating the Bills, the way the, 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 way the, the Dolphins defense stepped up, where the Bills had possession of the football for over 40 minutes in that game and only produced 19 points. Meanwhile, on the flip side of our discussion in the NFC, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are making everything look easy, extremely balanced offensively, and they're putting games away when maybe it should look a bit more difficult than what they're making it seem right now. First of all, guys, uh, I am writing a column Thursday for gallerysports.com, which does not have a paywall. It's free, free, free. And I am writing about everybody's talking about what Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts have in common. They were both at Alabama. What I'm writing about this time a year ago, neither team wanted him as a starting quarterback because both tried to trade for Deshaun Watson. And don't you know right now they're going, yeah. they are so happy that they weren't able to pull off those trades because Hurts, who's in, who's from Houston, he'll play here in a primetime game, Texans' only primetime appearance, and he's still very, very popular here as dad's coach, and he's improved each season. You know, they would like for him to run less and throw more. He had a fabulous game throwing the football, giving him A.J. Brown to go with uh, Devontae Smith is just was a great move. And they led the NFL in rushing last year. So they got balanced. They've improved their defense. They are a legitimate candidate to go to the Super Bowl. And Miami beating Buffalo, especially the way the Dolphins did beat them, was astonishing. You know, Teddy Bridgewater had to play some because Tua said he hurt his back. And I'm guessing uh, that would be the transverse process in his lower back, and they got to play Thursday. So he's had injury issues every year he's been in football, so this is not surprising. But it'd be too bad if he has to miss some time because think about how relieved he is to put all those critics behind him, including his owner and his general manager. John, let's let's dive into Tugavailoa's injury because the three of us know the process of concussion protocol. Uh, whereas the general public may not. And so perception for them is reality in some cases where they see him woozy, he gets up, he's walking, he stumbles. I mean, it looks horrible. And he he ends the half in the locker room but comes back out. The media during halftime is expecting to see Bridgewater start the second half, and here comes Tua. And then you have Rappaport tweet out, and I guess the team announced it at the game, that it was a back issue, that he'd hurt himself some on a quarterback sneak in the first quarter, didn't leave the game, and then it flared up and he had back tightness. And at that point, I did an eye roll. I'm like, are you kidding me? But knowing the concussion protocol and that it's not a team-paid physician, doctor, neurologist that's 
observing this, it is an independent neurologist that's flown into every NFL site each game day that would have to clear him. There's, there's multiple guys at that game, not just one doctor. And knowing that all of the, everybody that would have to be in on that for him to clear concussion co- protocol, including Tua, that's why I say I, I believe the process here more than I do the optics, which look awful in this case. Well, first of all, as someone who's had back surgery, my back gave out on me several times and I collapsed. So I can certainly see uh, that happened to two. I thought it was his head like everybody else. But once he explained it as someone who's experienced it, I didn't think twice about it. I know a lot of people have had back surgery. And then when it goes out on you, you can crumble. You can fall to the left, fall to the right. And it's it's it's, it's terrible pain. And now knowing what he's going through, he'll have to take painkillers, shots, of course, to be able to play. But uh, I, the independent neurologist on the sideline, those guys, they're not associated with the team. They're not going to lie to help a team. No. And they're not, they're not, I don't want to speak for all of them. In my dealings with them, they're very, they're very non-social. Like, the, the team paid guys on the sideline know your name and like they'll say hello to you. Those dudes don't even want you to speak to them because they're just waiting on the call from up top to go assess someone in the blue tent or take them straight to the locker room. They take it very serious. That's, that's my point here, and it would be very difficult to circumvent the rules. However, John, the, the fact that the NFLPA immediately after the game is looking into the process of this that's also an eyebrow raise to me because they also know the process. They've also signed off on this uh, and know what you have to go through in order to clear concussion protocol in-game to be able to turn around and come back out for a second half. The NFLPA is going by what everybody went for, the way he staggered around like he was drunk on a Saturday night. Yeah. And then once they do their investigation and they get all the information – they'll understand what there was his back and he may not be able to play Thursday night because of his back. People don't mess around with concussions anymore. And usually if a guy goes into the locker room for concussion protocol, they don't come back out and go right back on the field. You know, they're out for at least the rest of that game and usually the following game. So once I heard the explanation, I never gave it another thought. My only question was, when would he be able to play? Because we're talking about a quarterback who's had an injury history going back to Alabama. That's another great point. John, can you remember a moment uh, like the one on Sunday with Chris Jones and the Chiefs where someone, it, it seemingly very calmly gets up after a hit on someone and says something and immediately gets flagged for whatever word was used or whatever was said. It wasn't like Chris Jones was belligerent or in the face of the quarterback or shoving him or anything. Whatever he said, though, got an immediate response from, from that official. What would you make of that? I thought that, that whatever he said, and they did a pool report, and the referee wouldn't say what it was that he said. He just said it was – there's only one – Depending on your style, you could put a hyphen in this or make it one word. There's one word that's sure to get you in trouble no matter where you are. And it starts with an M and it ends with an E-R. Yes. Well, there's there's there, more, there's more words than that. There's there's a word there that other, Kobe Bryant got in trouble for yeah. at one point uh, aimed towards an official. I mean, I think there's a number of words that, that could have been used. I, I like that Matt Ryan didn't out Chris Jones and say what it was. 
But Chris Jones's response to this, not just the official, to me, John almost told me how accepting he was of it that he doesn't want it out. Whatever he said, he's okay with just taking the blame, saying I can't put my team in that spot and moving on. I would think it had to do with their mother, his mother. And he, well, his first comment was he didn't see that it was anything more egregious than any common trash talk, but he said that he hurt his team and he wouldn't do it again. Like he, he's learned his well, lesson. Well, that's good because he did John, hurt his team. That's for sure. I, I did. I said this yesterday to Chad. Like, if this is Joe Burrow or, you know, you start going down the list of Baker Mayfield, you know, I start thinking of quarterback Brady. To me, the trash talk there, I'm used to seeing it. This may be a first for me where I see someone talking trash like that to Matt Ryan after getting sacked because I don't think of him in that same tone where he's jawing back to one of the defensive linemen throughout a game. No, I don't think he, maybe he's done that and we don't know it. <laughs> Certainly not his reputation. It's pretty smart to him to put a lid on it no matter what Jones said because it saved the game. What what a game, though. Yeah, what how, a win. How for, surprised for were you, John, with the, the Colts beating KC this past weekend? I was shocked at that. I was surprised Buffalo losing to Miami. I thought Buffalo would beat them. And the one that blew me away more than that was Jacksonville winning at the Chargers, my Super Bowl team, beating them 38-10. to 10. And the Jaguars right now being in first place in AFC South, that is mind-boggling. But beating up on the Chargers like that, that was just head-turning. Not just, be, like you said, not just beating them, whipping them on the road and beating that Chargers team that badly. And then Justin Herbert, clearly not at 100% with the rib cartilage injury out there late in the game, John. I I didn't understand that from Staley. Nobody understands that. Brandon Staley afterward made it sound like it was Herbert's decision. Then when he talked to the media yesterday, oh, no, no, that was my decision. Well, if it had been his decision, they wouldn't have put him out there. It was ridiculous. And I don't care if your quarterback – wanted to be with his friends, he said, hey, no, you're not going out there. We're beat. We're protecting you. I think his teammates would have understood and they wouldn't have been thinking he's a quitter. So they're down their left tackle and they don't have depth there at all. I know the Chargers have the Texans this week, John. Um, You've got Herbert who's taking the injection. They're down. Keenan Allen's been banged up. Uh, J.C. Jackson left that game. He was hurt to begin the season. Uh, there's a couple of other uh, players that are banged up on their roster too, and this is a franchise known for injuries, right? Like they, going back a few, uh, several head coaches, we we see injuries across the the Chargers uh, locker room. Not a great sign in September where their quarterback is, you know, barely able to grip a football during the week and needs the injection. That's going to last a while, and Jacksonville's taking full advantage of that. They're hitting on a lot of cylinders that they were not able to do a year ago. Chargers got no worries, and I'm writing a column for Gallery Sports for Wednesday on this. They should start Justin Herbert, never have him throw one pass, just run the ball against a god-awful worst run defense in the NFL. That would be the Texans giving up 203 yards a game rushing after they allowed 201 to the Bears, and the Bears lost their leading rusher, David Montgomery, after three carries and 11 yards. It was such an embarrassment, and the Texans were 
32nd against run last year and 31st year before. This is three consecutive years. They have been pathetic. Nobody knows that better than the Titans and Derrick Henry. And it doesn't matter who the head coach is, who the defensive coordinator is. They change out the players. They can't stop the run. I think back 2018 when they only gave up 82 yards a game and won the division with 11-5 and five records. So Brandon Staley – Comes in here and doesn't run the ball 50 times, he ought to be fired. John, I was watching that game on red zone. They would pop it on, and you know, I know it was uh it was a game that lacked a, a ton of excitement because I know Chicago got out to what a 10-0 lead. Texans came back, took a 14-10 lead, and then they started running the football at a high rate. But it wasn't I'm watching that. It's not like there were like gaping holes. There were just missed tackles. Like I I saw so much sloppy play defensively that I, you know. It's one thing if guys are just running free. I didn't that that was happening, but it was due to in large part missed tackles at the first and second level. Going into that game, Texas were last in the league in missed tackles, and their safety Jonathan Owens, who's hoping to stay alive, and Mary Simone Biles is the leading tackler in the NFL. That's a free safety. It shows you how far the running backs are getting, and he's going to get he's getting obliterated. Uh, because he's only about 200 pounds. And so it's amazing how bad their run defense is again. And that's why the Chargers, who ran for like 22 yards against the Jaguars, their backs, is no problem. I would tell them R-E-L-A-X, unless you do something really stupid, because the Texans sacked Justin Fields five times. Jerry Hughes has four, and they can get after the quarterback. And if they don't run the ball, 95% 95% of the time, that's bad coaching. I want to ask you about two Texans. Um, first, Jalen Petrie in, at safety. How good has he been? Because I'm compiling my list for Rookie Defensive Player of the Year candidates, and I'm including him this week uh, because every week to start the season, he's making a play. First of all, we knew he was going to be great because he went to Baylor. He was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year last year. He'd been a standout for two years in a row when they drafted him in the second round. I said, the guy's going to start from day one. He did, first day OTAs. What he's doing, he had two interceptions, a sack, two tackles for loss, and he was all over uh, Justin Fields. And he uh, – He's got a master's degree. He's a really smart guy. He gets a lot of attention because he's from here and he's living at home. Well, why not? And uh, so he's very popular, and I'll guarantee you, because he's going to make a lot of plays, Derek Stingley Jr., if they go after him as they did in Denver, then he's going to have a lot of plays he's either given up or made. But if this last game they didn't throw outside much because Phils can't throw outside much, and in that case – then Stingley had a sack, but he wasn't in on a lot of plays where Petrie is dropping deep in the middle of the field to make interceptions and blitzing off the slot. He's going to make a lot of plays, so I would put him down definitely as a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Problem is he plays for the Texans, and nobody's going to pay any attention to it. Well, no problem here, John, because I'm writing the column every week throughout the season, and the NFL's added a game. So uh, he's uh, going to get full recognition this week. Uh, on the opposite side, Damian Pierce, not known for fumbling at Florida. He fumbled once in the game. They stuck with him, fumbled again, and then they put Rex Burkhead back in the game. Um, what was the reaction post game with that? Because it's a rookie that they're relying on, and he's been good up until this point. 
they didn't he they got both fumbles back and you know coaches don't like it Pep Hamilton, the offensive coordinator, has this fascination with Rex Burkhead. I tell everybody, Pep must dream at night that Burkhead can actually run the ball and catch the ball and do something with it. He can catch it, but he always gets caught from behind. On the most important drive of the game, they had Pierce on the bench, and then they had Burkhead in the game, which was bad coaching. And then when they threw the interception that set up the Bears for the winning field goal, the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Nothing you can do about that, but he was trying to throw it to Rex Burkhead. This fascination just drives everybody in Houston crazy. And they have a third back, a guy Dumbawali. He needs to be their other back because they don't have one. They got killed by backup running backs the last two, two weeks. Khalil Herbert of the Bears, Devontae Williams of the Broncos, and the Texans have no backups. If they're smart, and I question that they are right now, they would make sure Damian Pierce touches the ball 25 times a game as a runner and as a receiver because even fumbling, he's better than Rex Burkhead. Coming up, the Bengals and Titans pick up their first wins of the season. We'll get John's take on both performances. Um, Lamar Jackson's off to a phenomenal start. They went on the road against the Patriots, who will be without Mac Jones for the foreseeable future as the schedule now opens up going into October. We'll discuss what the offense might look like in New England without Mac Jones uh, since they've drafted him. And we need to discuss the GOAT game where Aaron Rodgers beats Brady 14-12 to and helps on a defensive stop based on something that he claims he saw on the Jumbotron during a media timeout. We will get all of that and more, and we'll talk Cowboys. They win again last night with Cooper Rush. John McClain with us on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. John McLean with us, gallerysports.com. How's the site gone through the first two weeks, John? Site's doing really well. It's owned by Jim Mattress Mac McInvale, our nation's foremost gambler, and we're about to announce a gaming site as well called gallerygaming.com, and uh, he's doing a lot of commercials for it, videos, and his catchphrase at his furniture store is free, free, free. So we like to say it's free, free, free. There's no paywall to anything we do. Richard Justice writes for us. We cover everything we can, Texas, Big 12, SEC. So it's been a whole lot of fun so far. Miles Garrett with the single car accident yesterday. Uh, thank goodness um, the news is as good as it, I guess, possibly could be. He's already been released from the hospital no life-threatening injuries for he or the passenger in the car. The car all banged up um, and no broken bones, according to reports. But man, that was uh, that's something you don't want to see come across on a, a Monday afternoon for a guy, for any player, but for the Browns who have, a, have Garrett, who's potentially defensive player of the year. 
Miles Garrett's almost 6'6", he's driving a Porsche. I would expect him with some big SUV or a big Mercedes or something. And he and the woman were lucky they were wearing their seat belts because so many times when you see athletes or celebrities, somebody's not wearing their seat belt. And then Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, he reported that Garrett told people he was swerved to avoid an animal and it was slick. And when you think about turning over multiple times, It'll be, I just can't imagine he's going to be able to play in their next game because he's got to be shaken up, even though he didn't sustain any life threatening injuries. Yes. Um, Cowboys continue to win with Cooper Rush, John. It's not pretty, but he's not turning the football over and he's not taking a sack last night, for instance. He's not making the crucial errors. He's allowing his players to step up. CeeDee Lamb with a bad drop in the first half makes up for it with incredible grab in the end zone. That rush placed perfectly. What do you make of the backup who's now 3-0? It's 3-0 career-wise, 2-0 this season. And, of course, Dak Prescott is the starting quarterback. We saw him out working out before the game. Now, what happens when Dak comes back and he doesn't play well? Now, he's a great, he's a great quarterback. Rush is not. I don't think people are going to run out and sign Cooper Rush to be a starter, but he's proved he is a really good backup, especially in that system for Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator who calls the plays. But if Prescott comes back and he struggles, because let's be honest, they were struggling in that first game offensively against the Buccaneers. So that's when they could have a quarterback controversy as far as social media and the media. Jerry Jones said last week he would like to have one. I think what he meant was that means Cooper would be playing really well, but he knows that Dak Prescott is the man. Well, I I agree with you, John. I I think he believes that and he knows it. It, The thing that got me to raise my eyebrows is when he started comparing it to Dak Prescott back when he ended up taking Tony Romo's job, when Tony Romo was injured. He said, well, he didn't expect Dak Prescott to play so well and to win the starting job at that time either. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I would say all of that right now you know this was after the one game with Cooper Rush but he was immediately his mind was reverting back to well I'm never going to say never because we thought Tony Romo would be the guy and then it was Dak Prescott so maybe it's going to end up being Cooper Rush it's so funny because you know Jerry says things Jerry's he's almost 80 years old he's on the radio two different times a week so he's on two times a week. He's bound to say something stupid. And sometimes, though, people think it's stupid, and I think he's, there's method to his madness. And the fact is, he loves Dak. But somebody even wrote into it that when Dak was a starter, he called him Dak. Now he's referring to him as Prescott, which means he's not as high on him as he was before, which was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I, uh, I said earlier, John, when we were discussing this to begin the show, they can get by with Cooper Rush with their defense, and as long as guys like CeeDee Lamb are going to play like number one wideouts. And their run game stays healthy enough to maintain some offense. It was not pretty last night. But they can win games like that, just like they won games against Cincinnati. But when the playoffs come around, they need Dak Prescott to play like a franchise quarterback. They, that's where things turn to where they there's a difference in talent and they need Dak Prescott to step up and be the guy. Cooper Rush isn't a guy that's getting them to a Super Bowl. Which Prescott did not do in the playoff game last year right. that uh, eliminated them. He won, a, he won a playoff game, I think, 
three years ago over Seattle. But they've got the defense. They've got a two-pronged running game, which is important. They're still looking for that second receiver. They got young tight ends coming in. They got 60-year-old Jason Peters at left guard. And then they got their rookie, Tyler Smith, at left tackle. So they they I don't think right now they're as good as the Eagles. But if the Eagles have a key injury or two, Cowboys could catch them. Hurricane Ida is going to play a factor this week. Tampa Bay's hosting Kansas City. As of right now, that game's still on in Tampa, at least last I checked, John. But I know Tampa's out of there to go practice at the Dolphins facility this week. So we'll see. But the, sports in general are going to be in flux, especially in the path of that storm. They, the NFL could move it to another city. We've seen that before. I was involved twice during hurricanes at the Texans and the Oilers got moved playing home games at the visiting site, which was just preposterous. But yes, they could move it anywhere. There's supposed to be um, a lot of power out in Tampa. And there's phase it. I can't imagine all those people that would attend a football game. A lot of them haven't left the area. So it could be moved. It's good that they were able to go down and work at the Dolphins facility. And it's so up in the air. They were honoring Bruce Arians at halftime of the game. They've delayed that to another game because they're not sure if they're going to be there. And they don't want to be there and do it with half the stadium empty. Yeah, and he's there every game. Not on the sideline anymore, though. This time he'll get to come down on the sideline to get his award <laughs> at halftime. Um, Texans are at home this week, right? So the NRG is not available. No, they play the Chargers, and they could come. Anybody can come here. They got a great indoor facility. They you can work out at different hours, uh, but no, they would have to go. To, I'm not sure what teams are on the road, but uh, it's easy to move a team. They're 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 not accustomed to it, but the NFL's done it so much they got it down. New Orleans is at home as well. Uh, Titans are on the road, but it's an outdoor stadium. Um. Normally, someone's always playing in Los Angeles. Are the Raiders back home this week? Let me quickly look. Yes, the Raiders are hosting the Broncos. So I'm just thinking about all the domes around the league. Um, and got to get get some people into those domes, possibly. Uh, Raiders are 0-3, John. And they. I'm watching this team warm up, and I see the Titans and the players that they're down on Sunday. 0-2 against 0-2. And I, I tweeted out, the Raiders have no business getting back on that flight 0-3. Titans are down their top two pass rushers. Um, their their receivers. I mean, their their two leading receivers right now are tied with eight catches through three games. And uh, Lawan's out. They've got a mess on an offensive. I mean, again, like when you start looking at the Raiders' offense with Carr and Adams and Waller and Josh Jacobs, who didn't even travel with the team but flew into Nashville and played. I'm think they should they should have a win. That that is a that's a really terrible loss for the Raiders, who other than uh, I'm thinking of the Titans, the Titans win against them. I believe every other team that's won against them um, to send them to zero and three have at least two losses right now. Am I correct in thinking that Chargers, Cardinals? Yep. Yes. They've lost yep. by thirteen points three games, and also that loss they had to the Cardinals was unbelievable at the end because of Kyler Murray. This is an example about 
Mike Vrabel is a hell of a lot better coach than Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels has one victory as a head coach. I think he's like one in 12 or one in 13, but that's the lot that Mark Davis, the owner, cast. And uh, they got too much talent to continue losing. But right now, waiver claims revert to this year's records. They got the first one. Texans have the second one. And if the draft were this week, the Raiders would have the first pick. I said, I said Hurricane Ida. I didn't want to insult Ian. My bad. Yeah. Hurricane Ian. Hurricane Ida was uh, like 2005, I want to say. No, that was Katrina. But there was there were two that year, I believe. Uh, we'll, we'll go back. We'll go back. And John's our, the expert here. Uh, D- Davey Hudson's our hurricane history analyst, <laughs> so he's going to go back and find. I know it's not Ida right now. It was when. 2021, 16 years off, very close. <laughs> Last uh, year, our our, our, meteor, our meteorologist Davy Hudson had that information for us. Uh, John, I'm watching the Lions and, and Vikings, watching highlights from that game, and I see a golden opportunity that slipped away from the Lions in that one to get a huge win against Minnesota in that division. Everyone pulling for the Lions after watching Hard Knocks. Everybody likes Dan Campbell. They like that story to see this franchise. It's never been any good. Finally, do something. I think that was a big time opportunity they let get away on Sunday. And he goes in after the game. When they ask him about it, he's almost crying. It's my fault. I shouldn't have tried to field goal. I should have gone for it on fourth down. My question is why didn't you just punt it deep in Minnesota territory instead of going for it on fourth and I think it was fourth and four? But the fact that he's so human, he lets his emotions come out. Even though the fans were upset that they blew the game they could have won, uh, I think they felt sorry. When somebody comes in and apologizes and takes all the blame immediately, it takes all the steam out of the negativity. Well, now they're going to be out. It sounds like they're without DeAndre Swift. They're going to rest him, shoulder issue. They have a bye week coming up in two weeks, and they're trying to like parlay that into the upcoming games. And he's been phenomenal for their offense to begin. John, uh, Mac Jones, high ankle sprain out. He's, we don't know the, the the duration of this, but we know high ankle sprain. It, it's not easy to come back from within like a month time frame. What do you make of the Patriots? And while we'll tie that in, Lamar Jackson, again, put on a show at quarterback against that Patriots defense. He did. It, at one point, I think he was averaging nine yards per attempt and nine yards rushing. And if you had to do an MVP right now, considering how well he's played, it would probably be him. But we've got, you know, we got so many more games to go. It's a great and, start. Uh, it is a tremendous start. People are like, oh, he's going to get a lot of money. Well, if, if he continues to use Deshaun Watson's guarantee as his benchmark, it's going to be hard. But if he could settle for a paltry $175 million, like uh, Russell Wilson did. I'm pretty sure he would get it, but he's not going anywhere. They'll franchise him for two more years. He's only 25 years old. You know, he started when he was 21, and I think it's great. Like him and Aaron Judge, Judge turned down big money, bet on himself. Now he's going to get even bigger money, and Lamar Jackson may get an even bigger offer from the from the Ravens, there's no way they're going to let him get away. As far as Mac Jones, he had a terrible game. He was at no touchdowns, three interceptions. He's not playing real well. Now they got Brian Hoyer. Uh, Brian Hoyer's been with them three times. He's been with the Texans one time. He is a, a good backup, not a starter. Maybe 
the Patriots, you know, maybe Bill Belichick will somehow change the style of play and run the ball constantly because they have two good running backs, but it's bleak for them. They, they're not going to finish in last place behind the Jets, but they're doomed for third. And, and think about what Lamar Jackson means for the league moving forward contractually. Think about guys like Burrow and Herbert, and we're, we're discussing Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, all these contracts coming up, knowing that Russell Wilson didn't get the fully guaranteed deal, and there are other examples, but you have Deshaun Watson with the 235 fully guaranteed, and Lamar's holding out for that. He's making sure he's getting more than whatever they offered him three weeks ago. If he ends up cashing in with that, that's now, we should throw in Murray with all this, that's now what maybe we don't see across the board, but the true franchise difference makers are going to demand it. And if he settles for something less, well, that's what the other GMs and negotiators are going to point to. I know this, guys, and I'm pretty sure you guys feel this way. If if I if I'm Lamar Jackson and I say, okay, Deshaun Watson's getting 230 million, and Russell Wilson got 175. Remember, we talk about guarantees. We're talking about skill and injuries. The agents don't ever talk about that because they want it to be more. And I think. Uh, Kyler Murray got 107 million guaranteed. So if you can get yeah. 175 million guaranteed, that should take care of you and your kids and your grandkids for life. If you try to do get what Watson got, it's about ego, about being demanding to be the highest paid player. Because what reason Watson got is because he wasn't going to Cleveland and they were desperate to get him right. to Cleveland. So, and the way, truthfully, the way Herbert Burrow playing right now, based on the projections, and it could change, and they could be right up there with Lamar Jackson in, in the running for the MVP. But both those guys are not playing the way we thought they would going into the season. And they don't have to do anything with them after this season. But the sooner you get it done, the cheaper it's going to be. We're going to look back and eventually – uh, after Jackson could be franchised two years, then they sign him to, you know, a $400 million guaranteed deal. They may look back and go, man, why didn't we give him $231 million so he could have more than Deshaun Watson? Think how much cheaper it would be. I'm just, yeah, I, I agree, John. I'm looking at it big picture where we're, we're always comparing the athlete's salary and knowing that the NFL CBA, it's not even close. It doesn't hold a, a you know, a, a flame to whatever Major League Baseball and NBA guys are getting salary-wise and in guarantees, and knowing the billions that are coming in on these TV contracts with the NFL, long-term, this could be a crack door that Lamar Jackson can now fully open. I don't know if there's another guy that can play his cards this way and not representing, uh, not having a representative other than himself. It's intriguing to follow, and I think so far he's done a good job with it, and We'll see if he's able to cash it in. It is a bit of Russian roulette, though, contractually, because he's risking the injury for the long term. If it, it, so far, so good. Um, help me, help me with this. What did Aaron Rodgers see on the the jumbotron at, at Raymond James Stadium? He told Tom Rinaldi that whatever he saw the jumbotron from the Bucks sideline, he went and and gave a word to the, the defense on that two point conversion try. I'll tell you what it is. That crappy drank or inhaled or snorted whatever the yeah. hell he did with it. It allowed, helped him lead, lead, uh, read lips 
and and take his presence across the field into the other uh, other sideline. <laughs> he line. floated. It was so a fever dream yeah, from floated. months ago, and he saw there, exactly there what was going to happen. I saw I saw there this in a vision. This is uh, this is the play that will be run on the two point conversion, and he he foretold the future. <laughs> I'm intrigued by it. Like, I mean, it, because Todd Bowles is answering questions about it. He's having conversations with his uh, with his game day crew about this. That is so funny. Yeah, reading lips, and he, he said whatever they saw. He, he said he saw it earlier in the game, and then they were doing it again on the jumbotron, and he passed it on uh, to those that uh, that needed to know, and they end up winning the game by two. Um, Bucks are really good on defense, John. They're awful offensively, <laughs> and they're they're skill position players. They're lacking a lot in that area. They get Mike Evans back this week, though. It, consider what they had at wide receiver. You know, the, the Packers have better receivers, and the Packers receivers are not very good. It's it's so it's like it's like you had two race cars in that game, but then you brought in two people never driven to, to yeah. drive them. And because it was such a disappointment to see throwback football. And I'm sure, you know, we know Rodgers will play better. Brady, with everything he's got going on, he's not playing real well right now. Yeah, he's not practicing tomorrow. You know, he's not practicing on Wednesdays. Uh, final thing, John, I, I'm not sure. You may have heard our conversation briefly right before you joined the start of the hour on Kim Mulkey and the no commenting on Brittany Griner. You know that situation far better uh, there in Texas. What, what do you make of that? And what do you make of everyone reading into it one way or the other? Well, I'll tell you, there's no reason to read into it. It, uh, When they were at Baylor, this was well-documented after Griner uh, left Baylor. She won one national championship. She was so good. The teams were great. They should have won two or three. But she wanted to be able to come out and say she was gay, and Monkey wouldn't let her. And she also had a lot of tattoos, and Monkey made her wear an undershirt with sleeves to cover up her tattoos. And then after she was done, she talked about it, and she wrote a book about it, and she basically embarrassed Monkey. And now that Monkey's at LSU, she's obviously holding it against her because the woman who replaced her, Nikki Collins, she's been tweeting about it like crazy about Griner. Baylor's been doing a bunch of stuff about Griner individuals, not mm-hmm. the school. But Mulkey's never been one to be politically correct. And she's smart. She knows if she had said stuff on Griner's behalf, she wouldn't be getting blasted like this. But after watching her for 20 years, she didn't give a rat's you know what, uh, what people think about her. And she doesn't care what they write or broadcast about her. It would have been very easy for her to take the high road and say really nice things about a woman, a player who helped her win one of her three national championships. John McClain with us every week, giving great perspective. John, thank you as always. Enjoying the work at gallerysports.com. Guys, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. And I hope you have a great rest of the week. Thanks, Same John. To you, John. There he is. John McClain, McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Uh, Peyton Manning is coaching the AFC for the flag football pro bowl. And he's begging Eli to join him. Let's, let's talk. Let's chat. Uh, let's chat. Doing about away with those. the pro bowl. Let's, which, uh, I mean, let, let, as we go into this discussion, wasn't it already a flag football game? This is outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Oh, kick 360 rolls on. So no more Pro Bowl game as we know it. That's a great thing because the game itself was not football. I mean, it was football, but not football. It was close to flag football, really. Um, Chad, I'm, I'm curious. It was faux football. Yeah. It, no matter. It, the NFL can produce mega ratings for an event that doesn't even include the ball you have to play the sport with, which is the NFL draft. So they will have people watching this. My question is, are they going to have more players participating in this? Because there was a year, two, three, four years ago, they went through a hundred different players to finally get enough players that were eligible to fly out and join them for the Pro Bowl. I think it was in Orlando at the time. And you know, you have guys opt out, and then you go to alternate, and you go to second, third alternate. Um, you got you know Mac Jones playing in the Pro Bowl last year, for instance. Well, are they going to have more of the original group participating? Due to, uh, other than due to factors of injury. So two things. One, I'm going to watch this as much as I watch the other Pro Bowl, which is zero. Yeah. So I don't care about either well, that's one. That's fair too. So it, I don't. I don't care because it doesn't matter to me because I'm not going to watch either way. My big question is: Do you still get the same Pro Bowl bonuses? Yeah. Put into your contract that's, for everything else. Yeah. The same way that I, I. I just see this as a win. For the NFL and the players, more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, get like, I think now 50... we get to go play a, a, a funny flag football game that's going to be coached by a joking Peyton Manning well, to, and then get the same bonus. To show up, and you're getting bonus, but to show up, if you lose the game, I think you're getting between 25 and 30 grand. And if you win, I think your last year or two years ago it was 56,000 to win. So you're getting a nice little bonus on top of, you know whatever i hope it goes well i won't be yeah. watching hey, if the police want to arrest you they'll wait until after the game's over yeah you know just ask win. alvin Kamara. uh josh heupel and his turnaround at tennessee we discuss next